Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. So I had um, some unintended consequences this morning. Um, when I uh, made it to church, all of a sudden I noticed that that people looked over and saw me and did a double take because it almost looks like I'm wearing a collar, you know? And uh, so I'm not, that, that's purely an accident, okay? I'm not trying to sneak anything in on you there, okay? Well, we started uh, three weeks ago uh, this new series on 1 Corinthians, the first part of 1 Corinthians, entitled Saints Under Construction. And, and we started with this truth that we found in uh, chapter one there, and that's that God calls us saints. You know, even though we still struggle with sin and, and getting things right, the moment we receive Christ as Savior, deep down inside, deep in our spirits, He changed us and changed us forever. He made us holy deep down inside, righteous, pure, loving, uh, godly, you know, all of those good characters deep down inside. That's what He's done. And, and, but the reality is, we have to work it out into our lives because. Our thinking, we have to learn to change our thinking. We have to learn to change how we feel and, and what our habits are in life. And so really the whole Christian life is this process of beginning to live outside the way we really are on the inside so that understand we are not sinners trying to become saints. We are saints, holy ones of God. We are saints who are learning not to sin. We're learning to live life the way God says that we ought to. And then the second week, we focused on the fact that, I mean, this is awesome news, right? We are saints, saints under construction. But Paul says, hey, we must never forget that at the core of all of this, at the foundation of all this, is Jesus Christ and him crucified. That the crucifixion is a really crucial element of our beliefs and, and how we live our lives because it tells us something. How bad was your sin that it required the Son of God to be crucified for you. It was horrendous. Sin is a terrible thing, and this should always remind us of that. Also, the fact that Jesus died and then means that we can have that death to that old nature and be made new on the inside, but it required the crucifixion. And so we must always make sure that we're building on uh, Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And then last week we talked about an eternal perspective, developing an eternal perspective, and saw that every life choice is a choice either to invest in eternity or to waste something for all eternity. And we saw that, that this will be revealed at the judgment seat of Christ. For everyone who's received Christ as Savior, we will not stand at the great white throne judgment at the end of time. We will be at the judgment seat of Christ where our lives will be evaluated for how well did we serve Christ. And, and that's gonna be a huge deal. Bigger than we even imagine now. So try to imagine it big. Try to view it as important. And, and then think, that's where our lives will be evaluated. How well did we serve Christ? Now, that raises a question right away. How do we serve Christ well? What does it mean to really serve Christ? And, and I'm gonna just take one brief break here. John, is there any way you could get it so I can see the, the proper view on this? I'd appreciate it. 
Uh, how do we serve Christ well? How do, how do we know what we're supposed to do, when we're supposed to do it, where we're supposed to be doing it? How do we know those things? Well, the Apostle Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. So let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible with you, we encourage you to take one out from under the seats there and follow along. It's really valuable to you to follow along. And we're going to be on page 1313 today. Uh, page 1313. Now, the Apostle Paul wasn't one of the 12 disciples. Okay, we, we know that, right? The 12 disciples Jesus called and they were with him. One of them betrayed him, Judas, and then they, they replaced him with Matthias, but replaced him with someone who had always been with Jesus when he was on earth during his ministry. Well, Paul wasn't like that. Paul didn't become a follower of Christ until later when the Lord Jesus Christ personally appeared to him all right, and he became a follower of Christ there. And then Christ made him an apostle, appointed him as an apostle specifically to the Gentile world. But because Paul was not, um, you know, one of the original 12, from time to time people would challenge his authority and say, well, you're not really an apostle. You can't really speak to this issue because you weren't one of those original ones. And so Paul had to deal with this from time to time and, and say, no, he did have authority. Jesus had, had granted him that authority as apostle. And then the other issues arose, and because here in 1 Corinthians, what we discover is that the Corinthians were dividing over who they were following. Some of them were saying, well, I follow Paul, okay? And others said, no, I follow Apollos. He was a very skilled Bible teacher. I follow Apollos. And someone else says, no, I follow Peter. I mean, you know, who else? You know, Peter, he's the one all the jokes are about. I follow Peter. But they, so they had this... Um, Division over these kinds of things. And the Apostle Paul is like, listen, uh, God is the one that we should be following. The Lord Jesus Christ is the one she's following. You, don't, you can follow me, but only if I'm following Jesus, right? So follow, we're all following Jesus. And, and so sort of almost like trying to diffuse this whole issue, you know, Paul being an apostle, not being an apostle of authority, he says this. He says, here's how I want you to look at me. When you think of me, here's what I want to come to mind. And that's where he starts in chapter 4 here, verse number 1. He says, let a man so consider us. So when you look at me and you consider who I am, consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. So I want you to see us first and foremost as we are servants of Christ. That is our identity and then we're also stewards of the mysteries of God. Verse 2, moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. And we're going to talk more about that issue of, of being a steward in a little while. But then he says this. He says, but with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by a human court. Let's stop right there. You know, Paul is demonstrating something here that's really important for us to get a hold of. When you find yourself in life having to make a decision, whether it's about what you wear, what you do or don't do, um, where you're going to go, anything, do you ever find yourself thinking, at least in the back of your mind, oh, I wonder what other people will think? Or I wonder what that person will think? 
It's easy to do, isn't it? And I, and I think even if we aren't really all caught up with that, we still have a tendency to think that, you know, what's how somebody going to respond to this? Well, the Apostle Paul here says, listen, I want you to think of us as, as servants of Christ because we are servants of Christ and we are being faithful stewards of, of the mysteries of God. But the reality is, if you think, well, no, I'm going to judge you, you know what? I don't really care. Because I'm a servant not of Bill. I'm not a servant of Sue. I'm a servant of Christ. Okay? And so that is really important. If we start living our lives as Christians and really thinking about our lives as Christians, as we'll see today, and and focusing on, on, on that, it starts to melt away this controlling power of what other people think. Okay? And that's really valuable, really important place that you want to get to. So he says, but with me it's a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by a human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself, for I know of nothing against myself. Okay, let's stop right there. So we typically are pretty good at rationalizing what we do, aren't we? Am I the only one? Of why it's okay to go ahead and have that extra piece of pizza? And more sadly, why it's okay not to bring up the gospel with someone. Or why it's okay to do something else with this money. We're quick to rationalize those things. And uh, so Paul here, I think, recognized that about himself. And I don't think that he was doing a lot of that. But he says, you know what? I don't even judge myself in these things. But you've got to understand something. He says, just because I don't, I think it's okay. let's, Let's go back in here. Sorry. Verse four, for I know of nothing against myself. I look at myself and I think I'm doing fine. I think I'm getting it right. But he says this, yet I am not justified by this. Have you ever known anybody who, because they believed something was right, that proved to them it was right? Well, we would never do that, would we? Well, we can if we aren't careful, can't we? Well, I've reached a conclusion this is right, therefore it's right. Well, no, we aren't the ones who get to decide ultimately whether something's right or not. And so this is what Paul says. Look, I don't even judge myself because even though I look at my life and I think I got it all together, the reality is I don't know for sure. Only the Lord knows for sure. And that's where it continues. He says, but he who judges me is the Lord. Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the heart. Then each one's praise will come from God. And he says, the Lord is going to, you know, we already talked about this last week, right? Judgment seat of Christ. The Lord will, he knows what's going on here. He knows whether I've done what's right. He knows whether or not I've had the right motives in doing this. God knows He'll make that judgment, and then anything good comes out of that, he'll be the one to praise us for that. And so the idea, what he's telling us is, look, instead of trying to say, oh, this person, I'm following this person, that's right, just chill. Now, I don't know about you, when I first read this and I thought about it, I said, you know, I'm kind of concerned about this. This this bothers me a little bit, because it seems like Paul's telling me, even though I think I'm getting it right, I may not be getting it right. Wow, what confidence is that? But then I start to think about this, the Apostle Paul was talking about himself, and I don't know if you, you caught it or not, I, I don't get a sense he's very worried. Do you see that? 
He said, I don't judge myself. He says, I don't know anything bad about myself, but that doesn't make me right, and God knows, and he's going to judge me. And he seems quite relaxed about that. How can that be? Well, it's because of what he already told us in the first two verses of how he approached life. He wasn't worried because he was approaching life, as he said, as servants of Christ and stewards, and I think safe to say faithful stewards of the mysteries of God. And when you approach life that way, you don't really need to be worrying about the judgment seat of Christ or whether or not you're getting it all right. God's going to work in your life and, and show you and get you there. And so what I want to talk to you about today is this idea of being servants of Christ and faithful stewards of the mysteries of God. And so let's talk about servants of Christ and what, what that means here, what the idea is for us. Servants of Christ is, is really Paul saying, this is my identity. This is who I am. It's not just a role I have, it is who I am. I am a servant of Christ. It's an identity. That means what Paul was saying is that, look, as I go through life, when I get up in the morning, I see myself as Christ's servant. I need to serve him today. I, I need to serve him with what I choose to do and with what I choose not to do. I need to serve him when I, when I make out my to-do list and prioritize it. I think, okay, I'm a servant of Christ. What does that mean here? And, and set my whole life up on that. That means that every venue that I go into in life as a servant of Christ, every venue I go into, whether it's the workplace or whether it's church or whether it's my family or the neighborhood or wherever you go, you go there, I go there as a servant of Christ. Now, I may be a good servant or not, but the idea is this is who I am. That's who God made. This fits, right? We are saints under construction. When he saved us, he made us servants of Christ. Now, here's what I want you to see. That Christianity is not an add-on. Christianity is not an add-on. It can't be that, that's, that you're going through life doing what you do, doing it when you do it, doing where you do it, doing it to accomplish your goals, doing it in your way, and then look at Christianity and look at the Bible and say, well, that has some good things to say. I think I will add that to my life. I'll add parts of it that I like and not parts that I don't. Christianity is not an add-on. God did not design it that way. He will not have it that way. You can try to do that. But I picture it like this. If you're trying to live like that, it's, it's kind of like you're, you're skipping through life and sprinkling a little Christian dust here and there as you go, right? That's not what God's intent was. Christianity is, it can, can never be an add-on. It's not an add-on. It's about who you are. It's about who you are. And that's what we looked at three weeks ago. Who are you? Have you really received Jesus as Savior? Did you really acknowledge your sin before him and cry out to him and say, oh God, I, and I cry out to him. I don't miss him, I mean literally, but you, you know, you're saying to God, I realize I can't save myself. I can't fix the fact that I've sinned and, and so I'm gonna trust what Jesus did for me when he died on the cross and rose again. I'm gonna receive Jesus as my savior and once and for all do that and then you become a Christian. You become a saint, a holy one. See, being a Christian is about who you are. You can't just add some Christianity into your life and think you're right with God. 
it won't happen. Okay? So, when you receive Jesus as Savior, you become a servant of Christ. It is who you are. And just like we talked about learning to live like saints, so we need to learn to live like his servants. Well, how do we know then how to be a servant of Christ? How do we know? How do we know what we're supposed to do? How do we know when we're supposed to do it? How do we know how we're supposed to do it? And it's pretty important because it's all coming out at the judgment seat of Christ, isn't it? Pretty important. How do we know? Well, the Apostle Paul, you look there in that first verse, he says we are, we are servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Stewards. What is a steward? Let's talk a little bit about a steward and what a steward is and what that means. A steward is someone who has been entrusted with something that doesn't belong to them. Okay? So you have someone, a steward is someone, something has been entrusted to him. It does not belong to the steward. The steward is supposed to use it the way the person who entrusted him wants it used. And he will be evaluated for how he's done that and his faithfulness in that. That's why verse 2 says, if you're going to be a steward, the requirement is faithfulness that you do this. So let's, let's think of an illustration here. Let's think of someone who wants to start a business. And so they, they get everything together, they get all the resources together, and they're ready to launch this business. And the, the owner of this business doesn't want to have to run the business. He's got other things he wants to do. So he hires a manager. That's the same idea as a steward. Okay, this manager is now a steward. And, and what happens is he hires the manager, and he says, two rules. Just got two rules for you. Nothing else. Two rules. First rule is you, whatever you do, you do it with integrity in a way that protects my reputation. Okay? You do things right. You do it the way they're supposed to be done. You do it with integrity so that my reputation as the owner is protected. Second rule, make the business profitable. That's it? Yeah, that's it. That's all you got to do. Always do whatever you do with integrity. Do it in a way that makes it profitable. And then the, man, then the owner hands the manager the keys, and he, he gives the manager the freedom to operate the business according to those two rules, those two instructions, and then he's going to evaluate what the manager does, and depending on how, whether or not the manager's been faithful to those rules, the more faithful he's been to the rules, the better he will be compensated. He will be rewarded for being faithful. And so that's the idea of what it means for us to be stewards. God has entrusted something to us as stewards. And he expects us to be good and faithful stewards of those things. Good and faithful managers of them. Well, what is it that we are to be stewards of? Well, you read it there, what's he say? That we are stewards of the mysteries of God. How many of you like a good mystery book? Okay, or, or movie or whatever, right? So is that what God's talking about here? Is God written a you know, best-selling series, you know, like... Uh, Murder, she wrote, or, or I don't even know what mysteries are nowadays, right? It's, we're not talking about that. isn't talking about that. So how about mysteries? Are we talking about, well, that's stuff that, you know, we can't really know about God because he's God and we're not, and it's kind of mysterious. And Well, it might include that. Or, you know, we don't understand what's happening here today, and it's kind of a mystery to us and what God is doing, and, but we'll know some days at that. Well, it might include that. But it's really pretty simple. When the Bible uses the word mysteries, talking about the mysteries of God, here's what it means. 
It means everything that God has revealed to us that we wouldn't have known otherwise. In other words, it would have been a mystery to us if God had not revealed it. That's what the Bible is talking about because elsewhere you can read the mysteries of God and they says God has revealed them to us. He has. And so we're talking about, you know, all the things that his word says, everything that it talks about that we never would have known if God had not revealed it to us. Are you tracking with me on that? Okay. So it's what God has revealed to us that he's saying that we need to be faithful stewards of, faithful managers of. Now, what are some of those kinds of things? Well, let's just, just go through some examples here. Uh, one of the things is that God is holy. God is holy. That means he's totally different than we are. God has never sinned. God has never been tempted to sin. He's never desired to sin. He never pondered, what would it be like if I sinned? None of that. He's just totally separate from sin. That is very different than us who are born as sinners and then who live as sinners until we get saved and then we can begin changing. Um, but so is, that's why we have to get saved because God is holy. Right? Now, we, we wouldn't have known God was holy unless he had revealed it to us. And so this is a truth that we need to be a faithful steward of. God is just and righteous. This means that he, is, he will do justice. And this is why sin has to be paid for. There is a penalty for sin. God is a just judge. He will do what is right when it comes to sin. And we see that he, he uh, believes that, or he doesn't believe, he He's God, right? He is determined that sin must be judged. And he did when Jesus died on the cross. Jesus died on the cross, paying the penalty, being judged for my sin and for your sin and the sins of the whole world. Okay, so he's a just judge. And then obviously, if we will accept that as payment for our sins, he is righteous. He does what's right. And the idea is if Jesus has suffered my sin, for my sins and I've said, yes, I accept that gift from him, then he no longer, ever, ever will hold my sins against me when it comes to whether or not I have a relationship with him. He's righteous. He does what's right. Always has, always will. We never would have known this if God had not revealed it to us. We wouldn't have known that about him. God is loving He's, boy, he's proved that, hasn't he? I mean, you could talk about lots of things in your life, but even if we had nothing else in our life, the fact that the Son of God came and died on the cross, paying the penalty for our sins, it shows his love for us. Paul says, uh, but God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Okay, he loves us. And so he's provided a way for us to be saved. Go ahead and go to the next one, if you would, there, Dan. God is all-powerful, more powerful than death. Because what do we do with Jesus, right? Jesus, his son, dies. And then three days later, God raises him from the dead. And we, he has revealed this to us in his word. And we can even historically uh, go and validate that that is true, that Jesus rose from the dead. And so he's demonstrated, he has revealed to us that he has power over death so that if, if I receive Christ and I die, that I go on and live with Jesus in heaven and someday he's actually gonna give life back to my body and resurrect my body. He's more powerful even than death. We never would have known that unless he had revealed it to us. 
It's a mystery of God that he has revealed. And then, another one, Christ has invited us to receive, God has invited us to receive Jesus as Savior, to receive Christ. Right, we've talked about that so many times. Acknowledging, genuinely, sincerely acknowledging that you have sinned and your sins separated you from God. Believing that Jesus is who the Bible says he was, dying on the cross, paying the penalty for our sins, three days later rising from the dead. And now if we will just say, okay, God, I accept it. I receive it. I'm not talking about adding Christianity. I'm talking about getting connected to God once and for all by receiving him as Savior. So these are all mysteries of God which he has revealed to us. And these are things we are supposed to be good stewards of. Now, if you look at these, this list here, I think most of you would recognize it. We would call this the gospel, right? This is the gospel. And so when Paul says that we are to be stewards of the mysteries of God, then he means we are to be stewards of one of the things is the gospel. Well, how do we be good stewards of the gospel? All right. So today what I'll give you, I'm going to give you some faithful steward instructions. Faithful steward instructions. And I really want you to get a hold of this. And it's very simple. You remember when we talked about the business owner giving the instructions to his manager? Well, we have very simple two instructions for you here. And the first one is this. Apply what God has revealed to your life. Very simple, straightforward, right? Apply what God has revealed to your life. Now, with respect to the gospel... That means that you receive Christ as Savior. You look at your own life, you evaluate in light of what God has said, and then you make the decision and you open up your heart and you receive Christ as Savior. That's where you start to be a good steward of the gospel. Because if you don't do that, what are you doing with it? You're wasting it. You're not being a good steward of it. And so you have to apply it first to yourself. The second stewardship instruction is this, help others do the same. Help others do the same. And I'm not going to elaborate on how we do that because that is something that you'll be discussing in your life groups this week. But do you see how this works? By the way, do you notice that God never does anything that's only for us alone, for me alone? I mean, yeah, he does things that I'm the only one that's directly particular. But his intent is that I always take what he's done in my life and somehow rather help someone else with it and experience it. Everything in the Christian life is that way, not just the gospel. So faithful steward instructions, just two of them. Will you say them with me? The first one is what? Apply what God has revealed to your life. And the second one, help others do the same. Pretty straightforward, isn't it? Pretty simple, really, when you stop and think about it. Now, there's a lot of stuff to learn. Let's look at just a few more things. Mention a few more things that would be mysteries that we're to be good stewards of. Um, the first one is that God lives and works on earth through the church, in the church. God is on earth, in the church, working through the church, through us. We are the body of Christ, the Bible says. And bodies have what? Ears and eyes and hands and feet. Right? They can go do things. And so God goes out in the world and he touches the world through us as his people, as the church. Do you know that when you're talking to someone who is struggling, 
Maybe they've lost a loved one or they're facing their own illnesses or relationships. And you're talking to someone about that and you're listening to them. And then you put your hand on their shoulder and you say, wow, I'm so sorry. It's so hard. Let me pray for you. And you pray for them. Do you realize that God reached out and touched them? That's how he does it, through you. As, when you're being a faithful steward of Christ, a faithful steward of these things, and you reach out as the body of Christ, God touches people through you. When you listen and care, they experience God listening and caring. This is a big deal. So what does it mean for us then to be faithful stewards of this mystery that God has revealed to us? Well, it means that we ought to take church very importantly. Church should be way high on our priority list in our lives. You know, we have our work and our families and all that, but church needs to be right up there at the top with those things. It's that important. We need to be supporting our church. We need to be praying for our church. We need to not be blowing off church for things that aren't going to matter for eternity. And then we need to help others do the same. We, we talk with, to our, our brothers and sisters in Christ about church, encourage them, share our testimonies about it, invite them in, maybe help them get connected to the next step process or get them in a life group or whatever. But you're working to help others also apply this truth. Go ahead and go to the next one there, if you would, Dan. Yeah. God's, another thing that God has revealed, God's word is inspired, it's true, it's trustworthy, and it's life-giving. We never would have known that if God hadn't told us that about his word. And then, of course, then we've experienced it. But the idea is we need to apply that to our lives. So what I need to say is, is I need to open up this book on a regular basis, and I need to be reading it and working to understand what I can and working to apply what I can. I need to think about it. I need to ponder it as I go through life. I need to try to apply it to my circumstances of life. I need to be studying. I need to be listening to someone teach it to me. I need to get in a life group and study it with others. And, but see, this is very important. God has revealed that to us, and so we need to be good stewards of that truth. And then we need to help others do the same, again, by our interactions with them and sharing it with them. And we could go on and on down a list, and I'll just mention a few and not, not elaborate on them. Another mystery which God has revealed is that God can be trusted with our finances. He can be trusted in our finances. Go ahead and put the rest of them up there if you would, Dan. Yeah, and being dependent on God, this is a big one. Being dependent on God is the most empowering thing in the world. It's counterintuitive, isn't it? Oh, I need to become dependent. Well, that's how you get empowered by God. Become dependent on God. Uh, another truth that he's revealed is if you humble, humble yourself and serve, that God will honor you. He will. And then Jesus is coming back. He really, really is. That's something that he has revealed to us. We wouldn't have known that if he hadn't revealed it to us, but he is coming back. And so the Bible says, wow, we need to think about how we're living. If, when we have that hope, we can live pure lives and make better decisions because Jesus has really come back. He's going to come back and rule the way it's supposed to be ruled. And we get to be a part of that. And so these two rules, two instructions, two stewardship instructions, apply what God has revealed to your own life and then help others do the same. Now, here's, here's what happens. Remember, Paul says, I want you to consider us as servants of Christ and faithful stewards 
of the mysteries of God. When you are a faithful steward of the mysteries of God, it will mark you as a servant of Christ. It will become evident that you are serving Christ. Remember we asked the question early on, how do we serve Christ? How do we do that? Well, we serve Christ by being faithful stewards of all that he has revealed to us, applying it to our own lives and helping others to do the same. And so we could say this, that we are serving as faithful stewards. That is how we serve God. Go ahead and go to that. Yeah, there you go, Dan. We are faithful stewards, serving as faithful stewards. Now, what happens when we do that? I said you'll be marked. You will, because what'll happen? Someone will look at your life and say, wow, what's going on there? And they will be pointed to Christ. Because you're serving who? You're not serving Bob. You're not serving Sue. You're serving Christ. And then if someone reads about Christ and maybe they're hearing things about Christ and what he's like, and all of a sudden they go, wow, that sounds an awfully lot like Kristen or Lee or John. You see what I mean? And we start to see these things when we are being faithful stewards of what God has revealed to us, applying it to our own lives and helping others do the same. And it isn't just true for individual Christians. It's also true for all of us together as the church. God has entrusted these same things to us together. All the, the mysteries of God, the things that he has revealed to us, entrusted to us as a church. And so we need to be faithful with them. We need to apply them to us as a church. Say, what does that mean in our church setting? And apply them here. And then we try to reach out and help others to experience the same thing that we do in Christ. And what an amazing thing then, that someone would be able to see our church and observe it and think about it and see, wow, that points me to Christ. Or when people would think about Christ and what he's like and what he says the world is supposed to be like and what his people are supposed to be like, it would say, wow, that sounds a lot like Life Source Church. Then we will be in a much greater position to provide that genuine opportunity for people to know him. Let's bow our heads here today. No one looking around, please, but me. I just want to give you an opportunity to respond to the Lord here. Right now, I want you to think of your life and say, where am I doing well as a steward? Where am I doing well as a steward of, of these things? And hopefully there's a bunch of places. So be encouraged about that right now. Thank God. Right now, would you just thank God that he's enabled you to be a faithful steward in those areas? And now I want you to think about your life too and think, okay, what areas, and ask God, Lord, what areas am I not really being a faithful steward in that I need to do better in? What areas? And I want to pray for you about that, just right now with nobody looking around. Did God bring anything into mind where you say, I need to do a better job as a steward? Or did you just raise your hand if, if the Lord put something on your heart about the yeah, hands all over the place? Thank you, you can put them down. God, thank you that you are faithful to speak to us through your word. 
and that you have spoken to us here today, even about specific things in our own lives. Thank you for that. You're so faithful. Lord, I pray we would be faithful in our response, that we would say yes to you, and that we would begin to apply what you say in your word. Even just about being stewards, we would apply what you say in your word to ourselves. And then, Lord, give us a vision and a heart to begin to help others to do the same. Be honored and glorified in us here today, Father, and as we leave and go out to live for you this week. And I pray it in Jesus' name.